Hi, everyone. It's been a little while, but welcome back to From Here to There, Redefining Home. Today, we are going to talk about a topic that I get asked questions about all of the time, and it would affect everyone that's either buying or selling a home, and that is closing costs. So not a very fun and sexy topic to talk about, but everyone does have questions about how much it costs to buy or sell a home, who pays for what, and what's negotiable as far as closing costs go. So we are going to just jump right into this. Um, The question I get all the time when a buyer is writing a contract or a seller is reviewing a contract is, quote, who's paying for closing costs, end quote. Well, that's a tricky question. I think there's somehow become a misconception around closing costs that either one party pays all the closing costs or the other party pays all the closing costs, or somehow everyone says, let's split the closing costs. But that's not really logically exactly how it works. So there's some closing costs that are negotiable as far as who pays for what. And then there's quite a few things that I'll go through that I will mention the words common and customary. So when I say common and customary, that means almost always I see it this way. Um, But I'm sure there could be some rare exception that maybe I haven't run into over the past 15, 16 years in real estate. Um, So first, we're going to talk about buyer closing costs, okay? So when you are purchasing a home, so there's some upfront closing costs that you need to know about. Whenever you first go under contract for a house, typically there will be a required earnest money deposit as well as in Texas what we call an option fee, okay? So earnest money is, I think, a term that I would say in almost every state is required, um, or at least, again, common and customary that it's written into a contract. Um, What we see here in San Antonio is normally somewhere around a 1% deposit. So if you're buying a $400,000 house, around $4,000. Now, sometimes to sweeten your offer, I will see people put down $10,000, you know, maybe, so maybe more like 5% or, you know, something like that as far as a deposit um, goes. So maybe you would put down $20,000 on a $400,000 house just to show the seller that you're really committed. You do not intend on walking away from this. Um, You're not playing games. You're really serious that you want to move forward with the purchase. Um, So that is a number that flexes, but I will say that the most common amount I see is somewhere around 1% maybe one and a half percent as far as an earnest money deposit. Option money is the second fee that you will put down right when you go under contract. So both earnest money and option money are due um, within three calendar days of the time that the contract is written. Um, Of course, if it falls on a weekend or a holiday, then you get a little extra time on that. An option fee, I will tell you that in the past, as in the past before about a year ago, um, an option fee almost all the time was $70, $100, something like that. But it has become much more common practice to see a $200 or $300 or $500 option fee deposit. Now, the reason for that, the reason that this money is different than the earnest money deposit, and, and as you can tell, a lot lower too, this money 
you, if you terminate the contract for any reason as a buyer, you're out the option fee, but you could be entitled to get your earnest money deposit back. So the big check, you could be entitled to get back if you terminate within um, certain allowed reasons and timeframes within the contract. So the option fee though will not come back to you for no no matter what reason you cancel that contract, okay? So that money, I guess, is really on the line. So let's say you go under contract and you deposit a $5,000 earnest money deposit and a $300 option fee. You have your inspections during a certain time frame and you say, oh wow, the foundation needs $100,000 worth of work. I'm out. Well, you would be entitled if you did that during your option period time, your inspection period time, you'd be entitled to get your earnest money back, but not your option fee. So you would be out that pretty much no matter what. So it's just a little skin in the game. Um, Earnest money, I see that go back to buyers all the time, not the option funds, okay? Um, So Again, upfront costs, you're going to put that earnest money deposit down. You're going to put that option money down. You're going to pay for your inspections, your home inspection, your termite inspection, your septic or well inspection if your house has those things. Maybe you have some questions about signs of foundation failure that you've seen. Maybe you want to get an engineer's report. So those are all due pretty quickly within that first week or so of going under contract. And those are not refundable. Once you pay for that inspection, you've paid for that individual services, and you're not getting that money back. Okay. Um, As far as what to budget for that, it depends how many inspections you plan on having. Um, I would say to budget at least at the very bare minimum, $375. But this could easily jump up to a thousand or fifteen hundred or something like that if you have a lot of inspections that the home would require, especially if you have a septic system that is going to be inspected. And maybe you have to pay to pump it first or you know, different things like that. So that's how you jump up into those higher um, inspection fees. The other Um, item you will need pretty quickly, normally around two weeks into the contract, is the appraisal fee. And that right now is ranging, I would say on the low end, $450 for an appraisal. But we are seeing a lot of appraisals jumping up to $600, $800, even more than that if it's a more rural or unique property that requires a specialized appraiser. Um, So those are quite a few fees that are due really within those first two weeks of going under contract. So you'd want to be prepared for those. And unfortunately, we aren't even talking about closing costs yet for a buyer. Closing costs, the vast majority um, of what you're going to pay as far as closing costs for a buyer are going to be things that your lender is charging, things that are required to be charged um, in order for you to get the loan. So if you're paying cash, your closing costs are going to be very minimal, maybe $1,000 or so. But most uh, clients right now are getting a loan, and so you need to be prepared for what those closing costs look like. So of course, you're going to have your down payment. Um, If you are a veteran buyer using a VA loan, you may not have a down payment, but for everyone else that isn't fortunate enough to qualify for a VA loan, um, you're going to be looking at around three and a half percent down payment on the low end, and then really as high as you possibly would want to go as far as a down payment on the high end. So what I normally see is three and a half percent for some 
um, FHA buyers, then other buyers are needing 5% or 10%, or maybe they're going up to 20% to avoid some extra fees. Um, so down payment plus your lender's closing costs, which are going to be um, somewhere around three to 4%. Okay. So if you are getting a 400,000, you're purchasing a $400,000 house, then you'd be looking at what would that be? 12,000 to 16,000 in closing costs. So hopefully nobody just fell off their chair or stopped your car in the middle of the highway. If that number seems high to you and you're listening to this. Um, so about half of the closing costs again, are from that lender, their loan origination fees, underwriting fees, title costs, all of that is about half of that sum. The other half are what we call prepaids. Okay. So uh, most of my clients do elect to set up an escrow account with their loan. So that means that when you make your monthly payment, your a portion of your monthly payment is being set aside to pay property taxes and homeowners insurance um, whenever those bills are due. So you're not writing out a big few thousand dollar check every year. You're just slowly paying that in with your payment. Okay. And when you go to closing, the lender wants to go ahead and start your escrow account. There's a minimum amount that they want to have in that escrow account. So to set up your escrow account, they will collect um, quite a bit of money for property taxes and um, your homeowner's insurance. Now this can vary lender by lender, but I want you to think of it as, as you're kind of starting this little savings account for yourself to be able to pay those bills when they're due. So if and so again, around three to 4% is how much your total closing costs are going to be. I don't know if I said that correctly in the beginning. I think I maybe said that your lender charged you three to 4% for closing costs, but really your total closing costs are around three to 4% of whatever your home that you're purchasing is. And half of that amount is coming from your lender charging fees. And about half of that is what we call prepaids, kind of setting up that escrow account. So if you are purchasing a house, I have so many buyers, especially first time home buyers, or maybe you haven't bought a house in a very long time that are saying, yay, we've saved up our down payment. We have $20,000 set aside to buy this house and that's how much we want to put down. But I want to encourage you to make sure that you have budgeted for upfront inspection costs and appraisal fee. And then also for those closing costs, which are going to add another three to 4% onto um, what's due from you at closing. I do want to back up and say that that large earnest money deposit you put down when you are sitting at closing will be credited back to you. So if you put 1% down, you already have that sitting at the title company and that will go towards your closing costs to pay for your closing costs. I do have sheets where this is all written out a little bit better for buyers. So if you are thinking of buying a house and your head is spinning with these numbers, I could certainly email you over a sheet so you know what to expect and it'll all be kind of written out for you. Or we could just take a probable property. So let's say, okay, I like that house in that neighborhood. I'm not buying it right now, but how much would it be if I was all of a sudden under contract to buy that house? About what would it be for me to close on that house? I do want to put um, a little star at the end of this paragraph and say that some of these costs do vary lender by lender. Um, and that's 
definitely something that a lender should be able to provide for you is how much your estimated closing costs would be. So that is something you want to ask a lender in addition to what would my interest rate be? Of course, that's important, but also what you're paying out of pocket at closing can be very, very important in selecting a lender. Um, So that's really the buyer section. We're going to move on to the seller section on what sellers can expect to pay for closing costs. So commissions, And that is typically agreed to whenever you first sign a listing agreement with your agent. So you are hiring your listing or hiring your agent to represent you. And in that paperwork where you're hiring your agent are the commissions. Okay. And a lot of people get confused and say, wait, I'm paying both the seller agent. So you, I'm paying you to be my agent and I'm paying the buyer's agent's commission. Yes, again, that is what is common and customary. Um, I have never in my years of being in real estate ever had a buyer pay my commissions, um, whether I was representing them or representing the seller. I've never had a buyer pay commissions. It's always coming from the seller. Um, the the seller is going to pay for both sides of commission. Um, also, another significant fee, again, this I would say before about a year ago, unless it was a foreclosure or new construction, always, always 99.99% of the time, the seller paid for the owner's title policy. That's a significant expense. It's about another half a percent to a percent somewhere in there. You can go online. It's set by the state of Texas. You can look up title insurance, type in your house, um, value and it'll tell you exactly how much that policy is going to be. So that's not, you know, something that I'm tacking on or the title company's tacking on. It's something, um, that cost on how much that cost is set by the state of Texas. Um, and so that's a fee to consider. Um, I would say though, up t- about a year ago, we actually started seeing, um, some buyers offering to split the cost of the title policy, or we've seen, um, them uh, go ahead and pick up the cost of the title policy altogether, the buyer pick up the cost. The market is starting to slow down a little bit. Um, and so I am seeing it go back to um, the vast majority of the time being a seller cost. So commissions, title policy. Um, there's also, if you live in a homeowners association, there are some transfer fees that has that has nothing to do with what your dues are that you've been paying all the time you've lived in the house. These are some administrative fees that the homeowners association um, tax on to sales. And there are typically some fees that the buyer pays for rolled into their closing costs, and there are some fees that the seller pays for. Um, what I normally see on a seller side is around $375 from the HOA to do their processing piece. Um, there are also property tax prorations. So if you are a seller, you are responsible for the property taxes on your home from January 1st through the closing day. So let's say you closed um, in July, you are responsible for half of the year's property taxes. And we will figure that out down to the penny on how much um, you owe. And that will be collected from you at closing and actually credited over to the buyer so that when the bill is due, they pay the entire amount at the end of the year. Um, If you have been making your payments 
um, with escrows, like we were talking about on the buyer. So you're a seller and you pay your taxes in with your house payment, you would have an escrow balance sitting with your mortgage company. So let's say we get to the closing table and you're a seller and you owe $3,800 for taxes from January 1st through the day of closing. You should be able to look at your mortgage statement and see what your escrow balance is, and you would be entitled to a refund of the escrow balance. And I will say, unfortunately, that doesn't come until four weeks to eight weeks after closing, but you will get that back. So it's almost just kind of a temporary charge to pay for those property taxes at closing. No, they cannot take it out of your escrow account. They will take it out of your proceeds and you will be um, entitled to that refund from your mortgage company for the um, escrow account balance. Sometimes also the seller pays for the survey. That is a negotiable item as far as who pays for that buyer or seller. Um, Also a home warranty. Um, We used to see this on pretty much every single transaction. I would say right now I'm only seeing it on 50 to 60% of transactions, but a lot of times as part of the contract, a buyer is asking for a home warranty from you, the seller, that would give them someone like American Home Shield or Home Warranty of America or one of those companies, there's dozens of them out there that would give them coverage in case something breaks in the first year that they own the house. Um, And they typically ask for you, the seller, to pay for that. And those will run, I'm seeing an average of about $650, sometimes more depending on the house. Um, So as the seller, you can expect to pay... I normally say 7%, somewhere around that, maybe a little bit more in total closing costs. So that would include the commissions, title policy, and all these other little fees that we've talked about all adding up to somewhere around 7%, 7.5%, something like that of closing costs. Um, so buyers are paying 3 to 4% of the price plus their down payment. And then sellers are paying somewhere around 7% to sell their house. And one question that I get a lot and people feel silly for asking it, but I'll tell you almost everybody asks it is, um, how do I pay these things? So sellers sometimes say, do I have to write a check or how does this work? No, it's all subtracted from your proceeds if you're a seller. So let's say um, you sell your house for $400,000. We're going to use easy numbers here. You have a mortgage of $200,000 still left on the house. So the title company pays off your mortgage, then subtracts all these closing costs, and whatever's left at the end is yours. So let's say you were going to walk away with Uh, $178,000 after paying everything off. Um, Then the title company will ask you, do you want us to wire that into your bank account, which is the option most people choose? Or do you want to come and pick up a paper check in another day or two from us? So most people have it wired directly into their account. Um, And then on the flip side, if you are the buyer, how do I pay for all this? Well, the lender is going to track exactly where that money came from. So they want to see that it, you know, has been sitting in your bank account. It's coming from one account. And then you are going to either wire how much is due. So that would be your down payment plus your closing costs. You're going to wire that all over to the title company on the day of closing or maybe the day before. Um, If you don't want to wire the funds, you can bring a cashier's check for that amount, but you cannot write a paper personal check 
and you can't bring a suitcase of cash. So it needs to be good funds, which they consider a wire or a cashier's check um, that you're going to be bringing to closing. Um, trying to think if there's anything else, I guess a little brief thing that I might want to mention, um, would be at closing. A lot of sellers think they're going to get their money right there at closing. It's going to be wired the second they leave, or they're going to walk out with a check. Um, and buyers think they're going to walk out with keys and walk out of the title company and drive over to their new house. And it's a little different than that, I will tell you. So there's a lot of things that need to happen. I think we've talked about those in another podcast um, for everything to be what we call closed and funded. Okay. So if there is a lender involved, it can be a little different. If you are a cash buyer, you may walk out with your keys right there. And if the person buying your house is a cash buyer, you might be able to sit in the lobby and wait for a check for a few minutes. But if there's a lender involved, which is the case most of the time, I would say plan on at least a few hours um, of processing before money will be wired to your account or before you can pick up keys and go start moving in. I will tell you that I almost always tell my client, whether my client is the seller or my client is the buyer, that if you do not want to be disappointed, you need to plan on everything thing not happening until the next business day. And so this is one reason that sometimes it's a little scary to close on Friday. If you have movers all lined up for the weekend, it might be better to close on a Thursday if you're a buyer so that you know you're going to have your keys for the movers for the weekend. Um, so hopefully that helps. Um, closing costs that I mentioned, um, sometimes buyers will ask for sellers to help with their closing costs in the market we're in right now, it's pretty rare um, that we see that happen. Maybe that will shift here in the next year or two, um, but typically buyers are paying buyer closing costs and sellers are paying seller closing costs. I have never seen a buyer that's paying, well, Okay. I've never seen a buyer paying commissions, um, but there are some closing costs that a buyer will offer to occasionally pay if there's a whole bunch of offers and they are trying to sweeten their offers. Sometimes they'll offer to pay some of those um, other fees like the title policy or um, the home warranty and the survey and those kinds of things. But commissions and property tax prorations will always be on the seller to cover, which is the vast majority of your closing costs. But some of those little small fees can be negotiable for a buyer to pick up. And occasionally a buyer will ask for a seller to cover some of their closing costs as well. But a seller cannot cover your down payment. I just want to go ahead and say that, um, that that needs to come from your funds that the lender will very diligently check how they got into your account. Um, so hopefully that helps. Hopefully I didn't, um, confuse you any further, but what our contracts say, they, there is no little magic checkbox that says who's paying for all the closing costs, the buyer or the seller or split that. If you can find that paragraph in there, then you know the contract better than I do. But I will tell you that there are little things. Who's paying for the survey? Buyer, seller. Who's paying for title policy? Buyer, seller. Those are in the contract, but there is no giant box that says seller pays for all closing costs or buyer pays for all closing costs. That does not exist. Commissions are negotiated before uh, buyers even looked at the house. 
and um, your lender will dictate many of your closing costs as a buyer. So hopefully that helps. If you want some real life examples, I would be happy to send you over a breakdown sheet, whether you are a potential buyer or seller on what to expect um, so that you can start saving up for whatever that is that you're doing. Or as a seller, you can start to realistically understand what you'll walk away with when you sell your home. If you have any questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. Um, you can email me at realtorjenniferwilson at gmail.com. You can always call or text me at 210-621-4153 or visit our website to listen to other podcasts or to read reviews or to reach out to us directly. And our website is www.redefininghome.com sa.com so redefining home sa as in san antonio.com we would love to hear from you thank you so much for joining us today bye-bye